0: marketing made easy the podcast now here are your hosts from get savvy club anna geary and anita baldwin
1: hello everyone and welcome to another episode of marketing made easy from the get savvy club anna geary and anita baldwin here how are you doing today anita
0: i am good thank you how are you
1: yeah really good thank you very much excited about this one because this guy is talking about stories in business and i think a lot of people now have heard about oh yeah we know we need a story in business but there's, there's different ways and different angles of looking at it and Park who we're about to meet um, has definitely got a different way of looking at it and what I love is he's got a bit of a system and a bit of a formula thing going on there so yeah. and where you might not get the system or the formula to start when he first says it which I didn't to be fair I was a little bit that's a bit over my head but as he gave examples I was like ah I get it and now I'm not fully get it obviously because he said businesses sometimes think that they know it too quick and then they go off but um, I know enough to go off and do a few posts now around this.
0: So, Yeah, I think cool. it's awesome. And he did give some great examples. And when he yeah. gave them, I thought, oh, one, I really get it. And two, mm-hmm. bloody hell, that works. Sometimes you just don't know when you do these podcasts to you what they're going to be like. And actually, he blew me away. It was really good. Really definitely worth listening to. So without, I'm not gonna talk anymore so that you can listen yourself. So let's get into it. If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review, and subscribe.
2: I am Park Howell and I have been in the advertising, branding, marketing world for 35 plus years. So I've been doing this a long time. And I ran my own ad agency in Phoenix for 20 of those years, working with a lot of local and some international uh, customers as well. And I started studying storytelling in the early 2000 aughts, uh, roughly around 2004, because I saw how technology had taken over our line of work and kind of sucked the creativity out of it when everybody was reduced to numbers and... Uh, I once heard that you're more likely to graduate from Navy SEALs training than to click on a banner ad, and I (laughs) felt like
0: (laughs) there's got
2: to be a better way to communicate and connect with this absolute cacophony of communication that has happened. I mean, you've probably have been there where you're promoting things out there online, maybe even this show, and you get... Very frustrated because maybe you're not seeing the blip, you know, the bump in your numbers. Well, I've learned in all my studies that what truly hacks through the noise and hooks into the hearts of your audiences is what we have known as Homo sapiens since the very beginning of recorded communication, and that is the power of a well-told story. No one can argue with it. You hook them, you bring them into your world. And there are ways to do it to so actual simple little frameworks that you can use that aren't hard. They just take practice. And when you do, you will have a profound impact on how you communicate. So that's what I do today. I got rid of my 20 year old ad agency, I just wasn't into that anymore. And about six years ago, I began the business of story. And now I do nothing but consult, teach, coach, and speak on the power of story internationally.
0: I love that you say a well-told story, because the yeah. fundamentals of marketing still apply, don't they? You can't just go, oh, I was a tramp and now I'm a multimillionaire, pay me this money and I'll tell you how, because we sniff out that crap, don't we? We see that a
1: lot as well, actually, a lot of rags to riches. It's almost like they maybe found someone like you or heard that stories work and then they kind of went off on their (laughs) own way to try and just pull it together and they take the worst parts of their lives shove them out there and then say oh but look at me now and it's when it's not connected to anything in any way shape or form we've had it before when haven't we actually on this podcast where we've had people come on and they start talking about their story and we're like we're a bit confused you've spoken (laughs) about that thing and then you've said that you're this thing it doesn't seem to connect at all to us so but they've obviously tried to follow a formula but it's not worked so yeah the well told bit super important.
2: There's so many quote-unquote storytelling gurus out there, right? And very few that I've seen that actually can teach it to where people can use it immediately. Now, Mm -hmm. I began my world in the very complicated side of storytelling, and that's, we had our middle child, our son Parker, was going to film school at Chapman University in Orange, California, a very prominent film school, and this was between 2006 and he graduated 2010. And while he was going to school there, this is when I was like trying to figure out how do we communicate in this new bizarro world of technology and internet and so forth. And I told Parker, I said, you know, send me your books and your lectures when you're done with them since I'm paying for them because I wanna know what does Hollywood teach these young up and comers to be competitive storytellers in the most competitive storytelling market in the world. And uh, so he did. And I learned about you know the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell, which is yeah. very complex storytelling. And I started applying it in brand development work and it worked, but it only worked if I was there guiding it with our customers. And I was trying to think, is there a way that I could teach this? that they could do it themselves and have the same sort of power. And so in all those studies, I then found the five primal elements of a short story for big impact, which is a really cool way of telling a story in under a minute. But even those five primal elements can get a little bit complicated for people, unless you start with what I found to be the most foundational narrative framework, and that's called the ABT, or the and, but, therefore. So to me, this complexity of storytelling for myself as I was learning it, getting my PhD in it essentially, boils down to beginning everything of really understanding the three forces of story and that's agreement, contradiction, and then consequence. And you get that through this little framework we teach called the ABT or the and, but, therefore. Literally using those three words to set your audience up for the journey you're about ready to take them on because you are hooking into this limbic system, this cause and effect pattern-seeking brain that loves that particular structure of story.
0: I mean, we've all got a story in us, but then we've all got distractions that probably shouldn't be part of your story. So how do you get to what your story should be?
2: Well, you begin with, and that's a great question, Anita. Just think about the last time you were at a party. And someone was boring you to death over a glass of whatever you're drinking, um, because they are trying to tell you this story, and it just doesn't go anywhere. You know, there's a time and place and people and and all that sort of thing. They have all the elements, but what do they do? They never get out of exposition. And what I mean by that, they never get out of Act One. They and 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 you to death to the point of you're just like, oh.
1: That sounds like my daughter when she's talking. She's 15, and she'll say. Oh, let me tell you about the dream I've had. And I was go. no, don't. <laughs> we don't want to do it because that's that's exactly how it goes. Because
2: it's and, 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 and. So, and especially it's tough in business because we like to lead with and, and, and. Let me tell you how great I am and this thing I've got to share with you and how it's helped so many people and, and, and you just like, oh, get me the hell out of here. So what you want to do is you only get one and, and this is essentially your setup or your act one. And you think about your audience. So what is it that they want and why is it important to them? But why don't they have it? Therefore, the consequence of that, I am here to help you get it. So let me put you on the spot, Anita. You were just on a ski trip. Did in that whole trip did you have like a real something bad happen a bummer or something that just like i can't believe that that happened but then when you came out of it it taught you some sort of little lesson
0: why don't you talk about what happened after your ski trip anita the day you got back <laughs> yeah i'd survived skiing and then i run every day with my dog so i went on the same old run that i do every single day and i ran into a tree which knocked me flat on my back it was a massive shock. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm all right. Lucky I've got a rock hard head and I carried on running and thinking, oh, I'm going to have a big egg there. And then I suddenly felt that my face was wet and I touched my face. I was bleeding, so I didn't even realize I'd cut my head open and the blood was rushing. So I had a woolly hat on because it's cold. So I guess, yeah, that was quite harrowing.
2: Okay. And then what was the the, the consequence of that? What was like the learning experience? When you look back on that.
0: To focus on what you're doing at the time rather than being ah. away with the fairies thinking about things.
2: Okay. So you might set that story up. If I just got back from a lovely ski vacation <clears throat> in France, and when I got back, something funny happened to me that really underscored that I got to be paying more attention. I went out on the next morning with a lovely rung with my dog. What's your dog's name?
0: Larry. Larry. Larry, with Larry, my dog, and what kind of dog is it? Sprocker, so Springer and Cocker, Spaniel. Okay,
2: cross. Uh, so the power of stories in the specifics. So the next morning I go out on my lovely run with my Sprocker Larry, which I do every single day. It's the exact same route I take, but I ran headlong into a tree. Now I've made this run, for the, the same run for the past two years, and I never even noticed that tree before, hit headlong into it, but I got a you know, tough head. So I got up and I started running some more, but then I found I had wet on my face and I pulled my hand down and found I had blood flowing everywhere. Well, I got home and I passed it and you can still see my little scab right here. What I learned in all that is you have to pay attention, even if you're doing the routine thing over and over again. You know, now that is sort of a stupid way of telling that story, but I want you instead of saying, and I ran into a tree, but I ran headlong into a tree. As soon as you put that word but in there, Mm. it triggers our limbic system. We have found working in this that but is the single most powerful trigger word because it takes you from one plot of I'm running with my dog Larry. But all of a sudden, there's a change of direction. I run into this tree. Oh, my God, what the hell happened? Therefore, I had blood running down my face. But I had to get home and, you know, to, to tend to it. Therefore, I pulled it up, and you can still see this. And in all of that, I learned that you have to pay attention, even in the most routine things you do in the world.
0: You sure, it's interesting because I've just read – Quite a famous book, and I'm years behind reading it. Everybody's already read it, called I Am Pilgrim. Have you read it? Have you heard of it?
2: I've heard of it. I have not read it.
0: Yes, yeah, so I read it while I was on holiday. And um, what I noticed was the writing style, it's like a, a guy telling the story as if he was there even when he wasn't. And he does little things like, I noticed it had gone dark but that was the biggest mistake I'd made that day. And then you're like, oh, I've got to turn over and go, you know, what were the other mistakes? Or something, oh, that wasn't the biggest mistake I'd made that day or something like that. And it's Mm -hmm. those clever, and I think that's kind of what you're doing as well, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's a change in direction in the story that lights up our limbic system where all of our learning goes on. It's our fight or flight. And it's like, uh uh-oh, what happened? Because we tell stories and we listen to stories to use them as learning tools what would I do in case whatever happened to you happens to me? What is my next step? So in what you're just talking about, you just delivered a little moral or a little, you know, a little learning moment for all of us. But you will lose out on your impact if you just go, and then I, and Larry and I went, and then I ran into a tree, and then my head started bleeding, and and you're like, okay, it's powerful but it's not nearly as powerful
0: because actually there's nothing in it for the listener then is there whereas if you're saying but here's what i should have learned then they're like oh i can take that lesson in my life and make sure i never like run into a tree it's a ridiculous thing to do isn't it
2: (laughs) (laughs) what you're trying to do with the abt the end button therefore is to open a story loop inviting your audience in but then you build curiosity now that you've got their attention you want to pique their interest so they're asking how does this end And then you close that story loop with your therefore. So Mm here's the consequence, agreement, contradiction, consequence. So in your case, your agreement in your story is I'm out running and your audience is like, I'm a runner too, or I work out every day and, you know, I I, I can relate to that. Oh, and you're with your lovely dog. Oh, I've got one too. And oh, yes, it's a routine. I don't always love it, but it's something, you know, that's great. But (laughs) so you built that agreement with your audience. You're validating them. You're saying, yeah, I get that. I do that same thing too, but here's what happened. Boom. Now you've got the contradiction. Oh my, what happened? What'd you do? And then you close the story loop by coming home and you know, dressing your wound and then learning something in that process. Let me demonstrate this to you. This is a, a really powerful demonstration. You know, Ernest Hemingway, famous American writer, wrote what people will say the shortest story ever told. Let me share it with you to get your reaction on it. Just six words. Have you heard this before? No. All right, six words. Shortest story ever wrote, Ernest Hemingway, for sale, baby shoes never worn.
0: Oh, yeah, I have heard this one before, yeah.
2: So why weren't the baby shoes ever worn? What's the first thing that popped into your mind?
0: That The baby didn't get born. Yeah.
2: The baby does not exist. Yeah. Or died or whatever. So what, what Hemingway did there, and it was a tricky little parlor game he did on a bunch of his buddies sitting around as the story goes. And he says, I bet I can well up an emotion in you or even make you cry in just six words. And they all sat there and said, oh, you bloody can't do that. And he said, for sale, baby shoes never worn. Mm -hmm. He had that impact on him. Whenever I share that open loop story with people, they close it. Did you see how your brain had to close it? Because Mm -hmm. I never gave you a therefore. I gave you a setup for sale, baby shoes, but they've never been worn, so now your brain is like, "Well, why the hell haven't they been worn?" So it immediately defaults to the worst-case scenario because yes. that gives your limbic system ultimate closure. Your limbic system hates open story loops, so it's like, "Okay, well, what could it possibly have possibly been?" Oh, the baby's dead. And people, mm. and when I do this in groups, I actually get people to gasp. And I said, "Why did you gasp?" Well, the baby obviously died. My question to you is. Why couldn't it have been a very positive outcome? Maybe the mom and dad got home with the new shoes and their baby is so healthy that they couldn't fit. They were too small, they've grown too much, you know? It could be anything.
1: Mm. Maybe they're just forgetful like how I was and bought loads of stuff and then found it when the baby was too old to (laughs) wear.
2: Exactly. But those are open, still continue to be open story loops because they're too ambiguous. Mm -hmm. Any number of positive outcomes could have happened. And your brain goes, well, I don't want to sort through all that. I want the most definitive close. And that in this case is the baby died. So Mm -hmm. what is the impact in selling and in business? If you open a story loop and you get your audience leaning in and you don't close that story loop effectively with your call to action or your therefore, then they will close it for you and it'll literally usually be the story you did not intend unless you intentionally yeah. tell them a story. We can't possibly do it, we don't have the funds, we've tried that before, it never works. They are going to put death to your pitch unless you close that story loop. That's what the end button therefore does for you.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And it's such a simple way of thinking about it as well. Yeah. That must have been a massive aha moment, you know, when you read all this stuff and you understand it and then you've got to try and distill it into something that's just three letters. And you must have yeah. been like, that's, that's it, I've got it.
2: Yeah, I called the ABTs of selling and I learned it um, back in 2013 from a Harvard PhD evolutionary biologist who also then went on to USC film school, graduated, produced three uh, documentaries on climate change and global warming and has written now I think about five books, six books on teaching scientists how to communicate using the story frameworks that he learned um, through Hollywood. His name is Dr. Randy Olson and when in his second book called Connection, when I read about the ABT, From a brander standpoint, you know, our job is always about taking complex information, distilling it down to its simple, most compelling messaging so that your audiences can easily digest it and act. When I saw the ABT, that was my aha moment. Remember, I had done all of this work with the hero's journey, boiled it down to the 10-step story cycle system, which is effective but complex, which then I found the five primal elements of a short story for big impact, which is effective but less complex, down to the end button, therefore, and I'm going, oh my God, there it is. And Randy and I have since worked together. Um, In fact, he and I co-authored a new book called The Narrative Gym for Business, which is just a short little 75-page guide on, on how to use the ABT in your business oh, communications.
0: Wow. I'm going I'm to okay. get that.
2: Yeah. It's, um, he wrote one for the science world called The Narrative Gem that came out in, what, May of 2020. And I have been taking all of his work in the science community, translating it over to the business world. And I said, you know, we need a version of that for the business world because they don't really care about the scientists. So, yeah. so he and I rewrote it with all business examples and so forth. Since then, the series, the Narrative Gem series have grown. There's one called The Narrative Gem for Law. A local defense attorney wrote that with Randy to how do we use the ABT to persuade judges and juries and even build our law practices. And one just came out this week called the ABT or the Narrative Gym for Politics, which is um, co-written by a famous uh, politici- uh, political consultant out here by the name of Dave Gold. So we're demonstrating where you can use the ABTs in all facets of life.
0: Because actually, unfortunately, it's not the people that are the most deserving or have the best product or service or business or offering or are even like the most virtuous who do well in business or even in politics or law. But it's the people that can tell a good story and convince people along the way, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, it really is. Um, You look at any great leader. Let's take um, Lincoln. President Lincoln, you know, here we have the famous Gettysburg Address during the Civil War. Well, Lincoln um, was not the keynote speaker that day at Gettysburg, and yet his speech is iconic. It's legendary. There was a guy that went on before him named Edward Everett, and he spoke for two hours. Wow. Lincoln got up. The Gettysburg Address is just two minutes long, about 271 words, I believe it is. And it is a perfect and, but, and therefore. To paraphrase, you know, we were once a great and mighty nation, but now we're embroiled in a great civil war. Therefore, we here need to, you know, bring this to a conclusion so that we can honor those who have died and they have not died in vain for, you know, the country. When you look at that, it is a perfect and, but, and therefore. Mm -hmm. Now, Lincoln was a fabulous storyteller, always was his whole life. You know, very, very intuitive. Our argument is we are all intuitive storytellers as homo sapiens because we essentially are storytelling monkeys. That is what separates us from all other organisms. And we used it. You know, Storytelling is probably more important for our evolution and survival than our opposable thumbs because we, we collect people together. We use the force of story to get people to act together and move. That's why this and but therefore is so effective because it is like the singular software program that drives the motherboard of our brain. Set up problem resolution, cause and effect, pattern seeking. What do we do about this?
0: So do you advise that that story needs to be quite personal as well? Because that is like what people will relate to.
2: It depends who your audience is. It's always about your audience. One of the biggest mistakes I see across the board and one of the greatest paradigm shifts, the aha moments I lead people to is your story is not about you and it's not about your brand and it's not about your product or service. It's always about your audience, what they want and why is it important to them but why don't they have it therefore I'm going to show you how to get it. Now in the telling of that story, you may be telling a personal story about yourself but it better connect with your audience. That means you have to really understand and appreciate the journey they're on and empathize with their toils and troubles and what they want. And then if you're telling that personal story about you, they have to live vicariously through your story mm-hmm. so they feel like you get me. You know, we're, we're sharing yeah. the same world yeah.
0: together. It all comes down to having a really clear understanding on your ideal client, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah, so the rule number one is your story is not about you. It's always about your audience. They are the hero of your journey, you know, their own journey yeah. that you're going to help with. You play the more important role of mentor or guide to help mm-hmm. them get what they want. Um, rule number two is your story is not about what you make, but what you make happen in people's lives. Yes. So don't get lost in your features and functions, and you know. Help them get lost in what tomorrow could be for them. Like, wow, you mean if I just do this, I can get there? Yes. And then, of course, the rule number three is, and maybe you need to put this up top, you absolutely positively have to deliver on the promises you have made in your story to continue that story. If you don't, that's what Yelp is for.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, We were just talking about the power of reviews online and uh, how easy it is now to go and find out what other people think of the thing you're contemplating buying. Oh, yeah. I Mm. mean,
2: and if you haven't delivered, you know, invited them into a story, get people all fired up for that story, and then don't deliver on the promises you made in that story, they will continue the story.
0: (laughs) As well they
1: should, you know. Yeah, as well they should, absolutely. So how do you typically work with your clients then? Who is an ideal client for you?
2: That is a fabulous question. I work across industries because what we all have in common is we are all homo sapiens and we all need to connect and and communicate. I work uh, primarily with leaders in sales and marketing. We have a very large retailer out here in America called Home Depot. I don't know if you're familiar with them or whatever. I go in and work with their internal sales team to actually help them do a better job of communicating with their leadership internally to help them sell their uh, initiatives that they want leadership to invest in and so forth.
0: Interesting.
2: I do a lot of work in healthcare now, especially because of COVID. In fact, uh, Dr. Olson and I, with a team of some other ABT aficionados um, have been training over 170 hours of ABT training to scientists. And this started back in April of 2020. And these are all online courses that we teach them how to use the ABT to do a better job of communicating in their own world, as well as to do a better job of communicating about COVID, the pros and cons of vaccines, mask wearing, and and that kind of thing. Probably my favorite client is that Challenger brand. That company that has a proven business model is coming up, but they're taking on the big 800-pound gorilla in the market. And they're the ones that really benefit by this because typically that 800-pound gorilla has gotten complacent. And they're yeah. out there just saying we're the best, just buy from us. This yeah. is where a challenger brand can come in and really use storytelling to its benefit to get a leg up on that 800-pound gorilla.
0: Yeah, awesome. Do you work with like individuals then, like small business owners?
2: Sometimes, not as much anymore. Um, I've got to charge a lot for my time and yeah. usually individuals don't want to pay that. Unless you don't have they're like they're-
0: a group program or a day, you know, event day or so- anything like that.
2: I haven't been doing that, but I might do that. I have been so busy with these large corporations that come in and bring us in um, that I haven't really done that kind of thing. I find in the business world, unlike the science world, people are too impatient. At least American business entrepreneurs are too impatient. They want a silver bullet. They want it now and thank you very much and the ABT is not that even though it seems so simple you have to practice it and work on it and write them. And when we're done here, write a couple of ABTs and send them to me and I'll coach you via email. What I do do is I've got an online course. It's only 18 minutes long. It's all of $35. And in that period of time, I do three short videos. First one on the and, the statement of agreement, how to write that. On the second one on the but, the third one on the therefore. And then I encourage people when you go through the course and write your ABT, send it to me and I will give you some coaching via um, email. So that's- That's an awesome
0: offer for that process.
2: That's my biggest, uh, yeah, it's inexpensive, but what I hear is, okay, thanks, I got this. And then they write them, I go, you don't got it. You just (laughs) got to keep practicing them. And what Dr. Olson and I have found is it's building this narrative intuition of setup problem resolution. And after about a month of writing ABTs, and I tell people, I go, habit stack with them look at you already have to write emails every single day so you're already doing this task learn the abt and write 3 of your emails beginning with an abt and see what the impact is on your reader people stop ghosting you people actually understand what you're asking you have reduced your email writing by two-thirds or three-quarters, instead of sending them something like this, it comes in like this, and you have a declarative call to action in that email. So this is something that you can use the ABT every single day and do this habit stacking and watch the impact, but you got to first learn how to do it. My um, course is on Thinkific. Uh, I don't know if you are yes, familiar yeah. with that e-learning yeah. course. It's businessofstory.thinkific.com. Or go to businessstory.com and you can click through there and, and, and take the course. That's really my kind of mass outreach, is doing it that way. But um, so, and my final follow up to that question with the scientists, when they get into a cohort, it is 10 one-hour sessions and they show up for every single one of those. And what we're doing is giving them more insight of the ABT and then we're working some of their ABTs live with the group so they can see it. With the business world, they, won't, they don't have patience for 10 one-hour sessions. They think they're so smart. They go, oh, I got this. Thanks. Yeah. I'll take it from here. And that's, that's why I haven't really done it in the business world side. I'm like, It just takes more practice than you think. I
0: guess scientists are in, like you mentioned, in that environment of learning, whereas business people are in the environment of trying to make money and they don't need to do the learning. Well,
2: they want the quick hit.
0: Different mindset. You want to be able to move on, yeah.
2: And, come on, let's be honest with it. We're lazy. We want to make as much money doing as little as possible, right? I mean, that's just... So that's what it is. But in the science world, they've already got this discipline of studying and understanding why things work or wanting to understand why they work.
1: And knowing it takes a long time, yeah, to to find new things or, you know,
0: to work. Yeah, you've got to be patient to be a scientist, haven't you? Yeah, Yeah. they work their life on one little thing. Yeah,
1: and never get get (laughs) the answer to the problem they're trying to solve. Yeah, and they're fine with that as well. And we'll just patiently just keep. Showing up. So,
2: <laughs> if you like, and let me pull it up here. I can give you a couple of other business examples of the ABT if you think that'll be helpful. Yeah,
0: definitely. Because yeah. what we like to do in this podcast is give practical help that people can actually take away and use. And this is completely practical, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yes, it, it really is. So, let me give you an example. I'm going to give you a couple different examples if that's okay with you from yes. a couple different worlds. So, let's go to the sales world. And I was working with, well, it was almost a year ago now, Sharp Electronics, you know, multi, you know, national electronics company. And I was doing a virtual training session with their sales team. And I was taking them through the ABT and the five primal elements of a short story for big impact and all of that. And what I always like to do is read through with them, you know, like a landing page. I'll pull one of their landing pages up and i will say, what, here's what you currently have. Watch what happens when you change it to an and button therefore. All right, so let me read you this one. This was a landing page. It says document systems and it goes on and on. It says, four years, Sharp document products and solutions have been earning high praise and prestigious awards from leading MFP testing organizations. For Sharp, this represents more than just an accumulation of accolades. It means that trusted industry experts as well as customers recognize that the remarkable innovation User-friendly design, outstanding reliability, unsurpassed security, and boundless expandability of sharp digital MFPs and copier printers truly exemplify the company's unwavering commitment to quality and excellence.
0: That's the same as any other website in that industry, isn't it?
2: Yes, I was afraid you nodded off there for a minute. <laughs> Thank did, you. Yeah. So you know, they've got their important information in here, but what is it? This is all about them. They have placed them themselves at the center of the story. They're the 800-pound gorilla. Aren't we marvelous? So they're opening this story loop of how great we are. There's no conflict in here to keep you interested from your point of view. Um, and they they just jump to the close. So we're so marvelous, you should just buy from us, right? I mean, that's essentially what that says.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, now listen to the difference. When I took it, and by the way, I used about a third of many, as many words, but I wrote it from their prospect's point of view. Shorter runs, quicker turnaround times, complete control over your in-house printing. It's what you want, but your productivity is currently stuck on pause. Therefore, Sharp Digital MFPs and copier printers will have you printing like a pro with our industry-leading innovation, user-friendly design, unsurpassed security, and boundless expandability. So I have set up from the customer's perspective, they want productivity, but they don't currently have productivity. Therefore, we're gonna give you productivity through and then they can throw in, you know, some of their industry leading stuff. But I have now boiled this thing down. It's written from their point of view. And here's the coolest thing about this. This presentation was done on a Thursday. The following Monday, I got an email from the sponsor of that presentation from one of their national sales representatives And he writes, I don't remember that guy's name. I can't, I don't know how he doesn't remember Park Howell, but anyways, (laughs) but that little ABT thing is amazing. I swiped his example, put it into a presentation on Friday, working with a group that I've been trying to sell to for six months, and it's been Crickets. And they immediately understood what I was doing and I sold them. I closed them. That is the power of the ABT and understanding that narrative intuition of your audience of setup, problem, resolution, tickling the limbic system to get them leaning in and say, look, we get you. We know what your problem is. Therefore, here's how we're going to help you get it.
0: And the power of making that shorter, because too many businesses have been in corporate for many years go, well, we're not selling. Well, let's give them more information. Let's yeah. tell them yeah. more benefits and features. Or even at a basic
1: that. level of like social media posts when people create a social media post and they're writing war and peace. And it's like you you don't really don't need to do that.
2: Well, Anna, that's a, that's a really great example. Social media... Twitter, Instagram, whatever, are fabulous places to try an ABT because you want to stay succinct. And in fact, do you know a gentleman by the name of Christopher Lockhead? He's a very legendary marketer in Silicon Valley in the tech world and he's been doing it for many, many years. He is uh, just a fabulous mind and he freely shares. One of of my favorite books I ever read was his book called Play Bigger about category design, especially in a commoditized world of technology and how do you create a new category design. Fabulous book, Play Bigger by Christopher Lockhead. He had me on his podcast about six months ago And I shared with him the very first time with the ABT. And he first was kind of calling BS on it. And then the more I showed him examples, he's like, wow, this is really powerful. The next day, he sends me a screenshot of a tweet he wrote the very first time he ever used the ABT. And let me read it to you. Christopher Lockhead. most entrepreneurs would love to design a new category and build a billion-dollar business. But there is so much startup bullshit on Twitter, it's hard to know who to listen to. Therefore, meet David Sachs. He knows a few things, and that links back to his uh, podcast where he interviewed this gentleman by the name of David Sachs. The thing about this particular tweet he sent me is in less than eight hours, he had over 60,000 interactions with that tweet. And he goes, Park, I've been on Twitter since the day... It started. I have never gotten 60,000 interactions on any tweet. It's the first time I've ever used the ABT. It's still kind of anecdotal to me, but wow, that is pretty amazing.
0: And that's great, isn't it? Because, you know, you can talk about it all you like, and someone can go, oh, this is a bit bullshitty, but I'll give it a go. Can't argue with those results. And that's what you've
1: got to do, I think, as well, isn't it? Like just give these things a go. Because often when we do training with our clients, they kind of look at us like, what? When we ask them to do certain things and we just say, look, you've, you've believed in us, you've joined us. Just trust the process because it won't work unless you just trust the process and go with it and then then see after you've done what we've told you to do. You know, if it doesn't work, fine. But and, and then they're like, oh yeah, I get it now, I get it.
0: You can't pick uh, and choose. Like the and but therefore, you can't go, oh, I'll just like the and I'll uh, just use the therefore. And then I'll just and oh, I'm not getting the results. Well, I wonder why. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, You know, think about it, too, is how often have you heard or been um, trained that you always start with the problem? And we have found that that's not the case. And the reason why is what you believe the problem is with your customer may not be the problem they're seeing. And so if you lead with that and they don't agree with you, you now have this divisive relationship. Mm. They're kind of like, oh, yeah, prove it to me, wise guy. But if you start with that statement of agreement, you know, here's what you want and here's why it's important to you. And you get them nodding saying, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Then you introduce a problem, but you don't have it because of this. If even that's not the exact problem they see, they start seeing it more your way because as a consultant, you're the one that should really identify the problem you're solving on, on their behalf. They may think it's this, but it's really this. You have started with that statement of agreement, validating where they are in their journey, but here's the problem and then you get them leaning in they go yeah you know you're right and then the therefore is how to you get to the bottom of it the abt is also a fabulous story listening tool so we've all been there when we've got a customer or a client hugely frustrated and they just vomit for the for an hour on you of all their problems and you just sit there and you listen attentively and you know going on. and then when they're all said and then you say here's what i heard you say <laughs> and you boil it down to an ABT and you repeat it back to them, they will think, what sort of storytelling Svengali are you? Because you just articulated that better than I did. Number two, my God, you actually listened and cared enough. Thank you. And then number three that comes out of that, that may be the most important but doesn't always happen, is they will say, you said that so well, I realized I left out one other thing. (laughs) And that one other thing is always the real problem. The real thing. It's
1: never the, right, it's never the first thing that anyone says, is Right,
2: it? right, 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 right. So you use it as a listening tool, and it really makes you understand and empathize with your audience.
0: Yeah, I'm going to start using it on my kids as well. Damn <laughs> can right. I hate that.
2: <laughs> Get them to eat their peas. Use an ABT on them.
0: Yeah, I'm going to be all calm. Okay, here's what I'm hearing. <laughs> you
2: know, another fabulous place to use the ABT, and you had asked me earlier, do you ever teach people one-on-one how to do it? And I'm going to put together a second course. Of my first course is the ABTs of selling. And people go, oh, my God, I'm not in sales. Well, yes, you are. Yeah, in you sales. You're selling your kid to do something. You're selling your colleagues to see your way about doing something, or you're selling a customer to do something. Yeah. But I'm also going to do one um, coming up called the ABTs of brand. And let me show you, and this will be, again, for just individuals that want to do some own personal branding or professional branding and they don't have the big bucks to do it. It all starts with the ABT. So, I was doing a course last year called the Brand Story Sprint. And it was six one-hour sessions with 10 people. We'd get them online and they would work through my program and then I would coach them live in the group, six one-hour sessions over the course of three weeks. And the last group I did was really interesting. It was 10 um, women in sales. So that's what they all had in common. They were all sales consultants um, and they were all commodities because they had not articulated what made them extremely unique in their sales. Yeah. And through this process, we landed on one. Alice Hyman, for one, is a great friend of mine and a very brilliant salesperson. Um, she is all, all about helping the CEO with their sales. The sales team comes into play and whatever, but her number one audience is helping CEOs write the sales ship in their organization. This other person I want to tell you about is Wesleyan Greer. And when she showed up, very sharp, you know, said all the right things about her brand, but she didn't really stand for anything until I took her through the process. And then her story was unearthed and she just wasn't telling it right. She had all the right pieces, but it wasn't specific enough. So we were able to boil it down to this for Wesley. Wesleyan, by the way, was a, studied as a scientist, was a scientist working in um, science, uh, I think a pharmaceutical company, perhaps, I don't recall, but she started, uh, was enticed with her sales team and her, primarily her sales manager and realized, that's what I wanna do. And she is a huge believer in STEM, you know, the education around science, technology, uh, engineering, and math, uh, and those companies that service the STEM industry. So she changed math to mechanics, science, technology, engineering, and mechanics, providing that you are working with the STEM industry. Well, what she found with her customers is they would be working with scientists and engineers internally, and they would take the brightest minds out and say, you know what, we need a sales director. You are now, since you're such a great scientist, you are now our director of sales. And their hearts were all in the right place, but no one had ever taught them how to be a salesperson. That was her core thing. So here's her ABT written to her precise prospect. You are a CEO of a STEM company, and you have tremendous opportunity for growth that's her statement of agreement she gets them nodding yes that's right but sales have stagnated because your underperforming sales leader has the wrong skill set to ensure predictable revenue so now that CEO is going yeah you're probably right therefore you can upskill your people to hit quota monthly through my sales leadership blueprint developed from my knowledge of the scientific process specifically designed to help STEM companies grow. And that all led to her tagline, her campaign tagline now, and her podcast, Wesling Greer, The Science of Selling STEM. You can see how the, the, the ABT clarified her overall brand narrative. You're a CEO, you have opportunity for tremendous growth, but you have the wrong person in that job or they're not trained for sales. Therefore, what I know about the scientific process in your world, I have created a sales program around that uniquely benefits STEM companies just like yours. Now, she is the STEM sales strategy consultant worldwide.
0: It just cuts straight to it, doesn't it? And no, you're right, nobody's got time to read hundreds of words and understand where you're coming from and that. So if you can say it in a sentence, which is less, is harder to achieve. When I um, used to have to write a copy of marketing, I'd write it exactly what I wanted to say, and then I'd spend the longest time trying to cut out as much yeah, rid of words, as I can, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. With, without changing the meaning. And that's actually the hardest thing to do, isn't it?
2: It really, it really is, because you fall mm. in love with your darlings, right, the things you write, but you go. You yeah, to cut them out of there. Yeah. And what it also does is when you get your ABT down, you get to the point that you are now so focused on who you are and what you stand for and who you help that you start saying no to a lot of other time sucks yeah. and people that aren't in that universe. It gets yeah. you to really focus your specialty and specialists eat generalists for lunch. Yeah. yeah.
0: Love that. Yeah, absolutely
1: right. They do. yeah. Right, so we always ask two uh, questions at the end of our podcast. Uh, the first one is we are a Get Savvy Club. So what makes you savvy?
2: <laughs> what makes me savvy? I am much better now at listening. So I will go into a room and just shut my trap and listen. And when you do... It reveals everybody's agenda, what they're trying to do, and then you're able to work with them. And so my savviness comes from listening because I now have a much better appreciation and understanding of what that audience, that prospect, that customer, that colleague, that kid wants out of life. So, and people will say, Park, you're such a great conversationalist. And I'll laugh because I I will say, we just sat here for an hour and I never said a thing.
1: Exactly. That is so funny how you say that because this podcast has made me a million times better at my listening than it was before you know like
0: no, you're laughing but i know like, i've never now. finished a sentence yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: you i am much better at listening now since having this podcast because sometimes i'll like be mindful and think "I well, okay and, and exactly that or people say oh that lady was great and you think oh you don't think that yeah well you think that or you but actually it was you talking not me talking and they yeah they they think oh you're interesting but actually it's just because you were interested in them
0: yeah my question is do you automatically now when people talk to you do you automatically kind of translate what they're saying into the abt framework even if you don't ever say it back at them is it just how you your brain yeah. is wired now
2: and what I and Doctor Olson talk about is building that narrative intuition. It's a muscle memory mm. in there. That yeah, I'm always looking. Okay, what's a conflict? What's a contradiction? What's happening here? Because without that conflict or contradiction, you have no story. Or if I'm really trying to understand someone else's perspective, I'm first looking at well, what do you want? What is it? What is it you're trying to get? <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I'm I'm clear on that. So why don't you have it? But, you know, but what's up? And then that mm-hmm. helps me really understand that. I find myself often just inserting the word but if I feel like I'm rambling along too much.
1: And the, the other question that we ask is for you to uh, recommend a book. So a business book, marketing book, a personal development book, something yeah. that's helped you along the way.
2: Well, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, Christopher Lockhead's Play Bigger is a fabulous book to help you really focus your messaging. Of course, I've already showed you the narrative Gym for business. Yep, the yeah. uh, 75 page guide. I mean, it's all of, I think, $8.99 for a print version on Amazon. Keep it by your side. Learn that. And then if I can share one more, this was the book where it all started for me that I created Brand Bewitchery. This is where I took the hero's journey and boil it down to my 10-step story cycle system. Mm. And it works. I mean, I helped companies grow by as much as 600% using this wow. system. Uh, plus in it, I talk about the ABT. I do a lot of business storytelling, modeling in it, sharing how you use the ABT, how you use the five primal elements of a short story for big impact, um, and how you can bring it all together in a story strategy that you can use and help direct your people with.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating stuff. Thank you very much. I'm definitely going to be practicing
1: it. Yeah, I'm already thinking of, like, social media posts to do. Use this. <laughs> yeah. Use this. Yeah, um, try it
2: out on Twitter. Try it out on uh, uh, Instagram. is a great, fun place to do it, by the way, because you got an image there. Now you want to tell a little story about that image. So many people just put in something fleeting. Um, and there's no story attached to it. So you're left with an open story loop and you close it with your own devices. Instagram is a marvelous place to just write a little ABT to tell a story of what you're looking at.
1: Um, So how can our listeners find out more about you?
2: Gosh, come on over to businessofstory.com. I also have a podcast that has run for six and a half years. It's ranked among the top 10% of downloaded podcasts in the world called The Business of Story and you can find that anywhere, you know, iTunes and Spotify and whatever. Um, And every week, I interview another story artist and produce it on Monday. And it's my whole goal is to help our listeners excel through the stories they tell. Can I leave you with one last thought? As you and your viewers and listeners are working on becoming even more astute and persuasive storytellers, remember, that the most potent story you will ever tell is the story you tell yourself. So make sure it's a great one.
0: If you're enjoying Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club, use your podcast app to rate, review and subscribe.
1: That was brilliant. Uh, I'm really, really, really uh, grateful that Park was able to make it on there because obviously different time zones and stuff, sometimes it can be quite hard to make it so that Anita and I could uh, get on there at the same time. We have to rely on these Americans being able to get up early-ish because we are not late people so we need them up early in the morning and on our podcast with us. And do you know what I
0: love? The way Americans say niche. Niche. <laughs>
1: niche. <laughs> I, do you love it? Because I always feel like saying it's actually not niche, it's niche. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, it. So That's my brain always thinks like
0: no, you mean niche. niche, because we're all so stuck in our ways, aren't we? Yeah, he's saying niche and we're actually saying niche, but we both know we're saying the same We word, know what we're on about, we're just going to say it in our he, own He's way, just thanks. making
1: allowances for our weird English way, and he, oh, we're, we're making allowances the for the, his like a, a weird American way, but we, we get it, we get what he's really
0: with great guy, and um, obviously very successful in what he does, so yeah, good of him to
1: come on our little podcast, yeah. So uh, the question of this week that we have um, <sighs> that's been um, called in. What am I on? <laughs> live, uh, like um, live and kicking. Remember that? In the helpline. Oh, no, going <laughs> yeah. live. Sarah and uh, Philip Schofield uh, oh, called in to question this question. Is when there, we all
0: fancied Philip Schofield. Before we knew. <laughs> I actually did fancy Philip
1: Schofield, but then I didn't fancy I've not fancied him for years. So, yeah, now we actually now we know the truth. Yeah, I've had some strange... Stranger ones. You that do have
0: it. weird-tasting men.
1: Noel Edmonds probably one of the weirdest. No, stuff. I had a picture of Noel Edmonds in my pencil tin. You so, no, know he blow-dries his hair about. with
0: one of those big round brushes. You can. Just I don't tell. really know.
1: It's not that was then. It's not. I don't fancy Noel Edmonds now. I did think to him, myself though. You know when he revived himself with Deal or No Deal, I thought fair play to you, Noel, because. He had the crinkly bottom days years ago. And if you're in America listening to this, you can have a clue what the hell we're talking about. But don't worry about it. Just Google Noel Edmonds. And he was at the height then, wasn't he, back in the day? And yeah. then he just disappeared for a long, long it's time. Weird, then, he not weird. And then he got deal or no deal. And do you know what? He manifested that apparently. And he got that yeah. back. And then, you know, back do you know in the game my weird again. crushes? <laughs> Who? You'll
0: laugh at this, Richard Madeley.
1: Oh, that is what that. Come on, no, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. That's that's a bad end. Oh, yeah, get enough of me, I know, <laughs> no, you know no, it's Richard Madeley. I know what you mean though. It's quite, it's quite funny. Like I do, he does make me laugh. Oh, you haven't watched the Circle, have you? No, you totally need to watch the Circle. Oh, I don't want to go off him because in one, I don't know if you're, I'll go and find out if it's series one or two, but. In that he goes in, and yeah, it's good, it's good. He's funny, isn't it? It's, it, it he is, is funny, really, he, he, is is really good. he is funny, but oh, you know, I don't know if you're gonna rival Judy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, thanks, <laughs> It's a big <laughs> I appreciate your support. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's got
1: no chance, he's got Judah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you only got no chance there. I've got more chance with Noel Edmonds. I'm using Google Life with Noel Edmonds. I actually quite like Ricky at your face as well. But, is know. Noel Edmonds... Um, it's not dead, uh, is he? Is no. it? I don't
0: know.
1: Is it? I don't know much about him apart from uh, I used to fancy him years ago and I don't know mm. about him. That's oh, not what? even about him, though, is it? It's about you. It's about me, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't really know. Yeah. Please on, can uh, you I let us know. That. Tag yeah. us. Put it on social media. Yeah. Right in. Like, Bring in. Call, call the hot dog. called in. Actually, we are going to get a telephone number because we haven't got a telephone number. I think we need one anyway. Somebody <laughs> called in with this question, which is after I've done sales calls, people want to work with me. And then every now and then I get ghosted.
0: What does that mean? What should I do? It's a weird thing, isn't it? Hmm. Um, it happens. It, it does happen where you get, have a real connection with someone, and they say, "Yeah, I'm definitely in. Uh, I just need to sort this, and then I just I'm need buy to move
1: it. this from this bank account to that bank Send account. Send me the link.
0: You're okay. not a blagger." <laughs> Um, I'm going to do it and you go, you get off the phone, you're like, oh that's great, I can't wait to work with that person and then you don't hear anything so maybe you you follow up with a voice Mm. note or a text or an email or however you do it and then you hear nothing Mm. and then you maybe follow up again and then maybe you think, well perhaps they've fallen down a well or something and need some help <laughs> I'm worried <laughs> so, about them so you follow up this this has happened to me so you follow up again still nothing and then you see them out on social media posting or perhaps having bought another product and talking joining about joining somebody
1: that. else's program me and me and Anita were quite brutal to each other though which is good and we are quite brutal to our clients as well so let's be honest guys if you do not close somebody on the conversation that you're having with them forget it
0: you pretty much... You 99% you, of the time... You haven't got that born. sale.
1: No matter what they've said to you, you have not got that sale. So, say, like, if I say to Anita, or Anita says to me, like, oh, this person's going to buy, like, the other one will go, they're not, though, because they did not on the call, so so they're not. And, um, you know, so we kind of have that reality check between us, but we also Very say-
0: rarely, people... Do come and say. Sometimes and they do afterwards, and it is
1: um, normally when they're like, "So if we can tonight, we we might get on a Zoom call with someone who might be interested in buying." Something. When we um, started working with our new mentor, we didn't say yes on the call with him. There's two of us, so we need, even though we get that vibe and we can sort of think, "Yes, we're going to go for it." So very, it can happen, but if it does happen. What's really, really important to remember is it's not about you, it's about them. And it's almost not worthwhile overthinking it. Like Anita said there, we've like, are they okay? What's going on? And, you know, because actually it, it's not your drama, it's not your dog. just heard in the back. Just then. shaking his ears. Yeah. <laughs> That's a <good laughs> That shake. was really loud, that one. Um, and, doing? <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, so don't overthink it. Don't let it put you off getting on that next sales call. Just learn from the fact that you need to close actually there and then you need to get some
0: commitment when yeah. you're However, them. However, do follow up. Two or three oh, yeah. times, because it could be that, you know, there is the odd one that might come back um, and come back around. But yeah, and completely right. Don't really take not. it negatively. You know, if you're not trying, if you're not making all these sales, because you're not going to sell. Nobody sells for 100 percent of people they get on calls with. Yeah. You don't know what's going on in their life. But the other thing is mm-hmm. leave the door open, because, you know, often. We don't sell to people and then because we're constantly launching, we're constantly out doing things and they might see us again and again and again and then think, actually, I've not moved forward at all. I do need them and see all the other success stories of the clients we're working with and say, okay, actually now I need them and they'll come back. And if you've kind of sent a shitty text going, you're an asshole for not answering me, then they're never going to come back to you. And it doesn't help or make you feel better. So just leave that door open, but don't flog a dead horse. Concentrate on the things that you can achieve and just know you've got to get them on that call. Exactly. And Anita's right about that.
1: Like, People may not buy on that first call for lots and lots of different reasons. We don't know. But whatever outcome you achieve for them, if they've not got that themselves and they thought about coming to you, but then they didn't, maybe you didn't sell them enough. Maybe they didn't understand the value, whatever it may be, whatever. But in three months, six months, not moved on and uh, you're still there, you're still going out, they're seeing other people come through your system and get results and shout about it and things, then, you know, they, they could join. So but, really, yeah.
0: it, yes, it is rude. Yes, it is unnecessary, but it's about them. People are people. Mm. You can't control them. You and can just move on. Sometimes they're just
1: on. too scared to say no. They're just too scared. They're scared that you, you know, it could be all different reasons, but, yeah. yeah. Don't if it's happening to you worry. a
0: lot then it's probably related to your sales, and it's probably you. in your sales process <laughs> and get in touch with us. We can teach yeah. you the sales strategy and process mm. and structure that will work for you. But if it is just like the odd one, then that's completely normal. It's not you, it's them. Yeah, I hope that's answered your question for you.
1: Anyway, that's the end of another fantastic, if I may say so myself, podcast. Yeah. Um, and we'll see you all on Getting the... Getting quite uh, good at this, aren't we? Yeah, doing all right. Nominate us for an award if you can. Yeah, if you can be bothered if, if can, there is one <laughs> or even do you know what do a bloody review would you yes. because you know people do reviews and then it looks quite bad because our last view, review perhaps was like two months ago or something like
0: that although so, you are asking that quite aggressively may I say
1: well I've tried nicely <laughs> other time okay so now I'm just saying <laughs> do, a but,
0: do a bloody review
1: do a bloody review and don't forget you can win the book that Park uh, recommended which was from Chris Lockhead play bigger
0: yeah, um, and I'm going to buy that
1: narrative, Jim, for business. I am. Because well, like a short book. You know why? As well. Looked easy to read. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see you later, guys. Bye. Bye.
0: That was Marketing Made Easy, the podcast from Get Savvy Club. If you enjoyed it, connect with us on social media.
2: Just search Get Savvy Club.